0: Hello, hello, and hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back for another episode, If Not Now When. I am so excited today for our special guest, my dear friend, Sandy Wan. And wow, guys, she is truly a hustler. She is entrepreneur, a designer, a maker, a photographer, and a mom. She was actually trained in the corporate world, but then she walked away from a steady income to start her own business. And today, a serious entrepreneur, or she calls herself mompreneur, which is new word I learned today. She has started three businesses and counting. And what I loved most about Sandy when we met is her authenticity her beautiful beautiful heart she had a mission to end the child labor in her lifetime with that i am so beyond excited thank you so much sandy for joining us today and welcome to the show
1: Hi, Wen. Thank you so much for having me Your Your show is such an inspiration for so many entrepreneurs. So I feel so honored to be here. Thank
0: you so much for being here, Sandy. So wow, you have such a beautiful journey. So take us back. How does all that get started?
1: Oh, gosh, it's a it's a long story. So I don't know how much detail you want me to get into. But we um... all die
0: one day. So you might just tell us.
1: (laughs) So I was born and raised in Toronto um, I, my parents are both Chinese and, uh, we're not wealthy. So they worked really hard while I was a kid, um, trying to raise me and my brother. Um, so we've always been taught to like, you have to work hard. There's no Mm -hmm. such thing as a free lunch. And, uh, so as we're going through school, we, we knew that we had to get a degree. Like that was, there was no um mm-hmm. option to to not go to university. Like that was implanted in our heads like from the very beginning. So um and as a Chinese family, <laughs> I'm sure you know, like you we only have a few choices, either you're a doctor, an engineer, a pharmacist, or Pretty an accountant. Much. And uh, and at the time I wanted to become a fashion designer, but my mom was like, no, you're not allowed. You have to choose one of these stable careers so that you can come out and have a job. So I chose accounting at the time because it Aww. was the easiest. <laughs> like I had really good, I re- had really good grades in accounting in high school for some reason, and I, I just thought, oh, this is easy. Maybe I can do accounting. And so I went um, to university for accounting, and then I graduated and I, I landed a, a job with um, Deloitte, uh, one of the accounting mm-hmm. firms back in the day, and um, I was there to get. I, I was there for a, a period of six years to get my accounting designation, and I got it. and Made it up the ranks to manager position, um, but I guess I always kind of knew that it wasn 't going to be my the rest of my life like i I knew I always wanted to do something creative, and uh, I was just waiting to get my designation and get my get that manager title on my resume and then I was like that 's it I, I I got it I got what my my mom wanted me to get and uh, now I can do what I really want to wow. do wow wait so and um... let's
0: take a second unpack that so first of all you said "Oh, want to be fashion designer and in the moment your parents told you yeah oh, no 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 Sandy you want to become accountant you said yes was that a hard choice at your young age or you were just thinking just follow your parents advice at that first decision you made
1: it was totally just following my parents' advice because, who, who, like, I they obviously know better than I, so of course, Aww. um maybe, yeah, like it, it's just becoming a fashion designer was probably just too far of a reach for me. Like that, I truly mm. believe that. So it it was like, yeah, I'll just I'll just do what the mm-hmm. normal people do, and and get mm-hmm. a stable career. And yeah.
0: wow, by the way, what a great Asian. <laughs> but I share the same value as well in the way how we grew up is. Parents always right. Um, all right, so you move forward with that <laughs> yeah. one choice, and then you find to accounting like your parents wanted it, and become a manager at Big Four. It was not easy, but was that a goal that your parents set for you? So once you hit that, you are you you are free. Is that was that a idea?
1: Well, they didn't they didn't set any specific goals, but I felt like by the time I made it to a manager position, I was. I was thinking, okay, I think I've, I've achieved what they want me to achieve. Like I was at a, at a point where um, I was making decent income, so it, it was, I, I felt like I had checked mm-hmm. that off the list. So um, what and- what were you wanted to
0: do at the time? Like, so you finish, you know, you check it off the list, and you just you thought, wow, mm-hmm. I done that. Now I'm gonna move on. Like, what was your idea, I and mean, was it hard for you to jump to? from a stable job to an idea where you make such a you know you you make good living you look great your parents love you you live all the expectations (sighs) that people want you to and pivot
1: yeah yeah i guess um maybe i was kind of naive at the time because i was still living at home and i i had some savings saved up i didn't know exactly what i wanted to do at the point um and i knew i didn't want to go back to school um but i just so happened to meet um a photographer who was actually shooting my best friend's wedding and I got to know him really well. And at that time I also picked up my own camera and I was starting to study photography. Um, so I, when I, he he saw me shooting some photos at my friend's wedding and he, he actually approached me and said, Hey, like, I'm looking for some mentees. Um, would you be interested in becoming one of my mentees? And I was like, sure, I would love to. Right. And, and so for that summer, I, I shot weddings with him because he's a wedding photographer. And uh, I absolutely loved the experience. It was like, I don't think I've ever done anything where I felt so happy in my entire life up until that point. And I was like, and you know what? Like, I think this is what I want to do. And if he can do it, he he, he does it full time. He has a, a family with kids. He's able to support his whole family with this. So was, I was thinking, if he can do that, then I'm sure I can do that. So um what happened was that same summer, my my I had moved on from Deloitte at that point, and I moved on to another firm. It was like mm-hmm. a, a mid-sized firm, and I was working a different consulting group. And uh, that was also the time when um, the the firm wasn't doing so well. They so they actually let me go. Um, because I didn't want to go back to doing audit. And so they didn't re- really know where to put me at that point. So they let me go. And then I was at a point where I had to decide, do I look for another accounting job or do I just try this photography thing? And I told my my photography mentor, I was like, you know what? Like Maybe I should give this a shot. And he said, go for it. Set up your website and start telling uh-huh. people about it. And so that same year, and by the fall time, I set up my website and I started telling all my friends about it, and for some reason, my friends started booking me. Like I had, I, I the first wedding that I booked it was for my friend, and I think I charged them like what five hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I was so excited, and I was so happy because I finally had something for my portfolio, and uh, and that was it. That was where how it started, and then I just just started booking more clients, um, and I. Every every year I just raise my prices and yeah, next thing you know, I've been doing, I did it for wow. like six years before I moved on to my my next business. And I,
0: I'm curious, you know, you, yeah. you, you mentioned that when you start pick up the camera, you realize it made you really happy. Mm-hmm. What well, What made you happy about that? That's one. Yeah. And secondly, when you decided to actually jump in this business full time, will you not worry about what your parents think or your people think about around you?
1: Oh, Yeah. Oh yeah, my, my parents were upset. Like my mom was, was she, she was yeah. very worried. <laughs> she was too afraid to tell me what to do, but she was really worried. Um, but when I picked up my camera and I was shooting these photos, like, cause I always knew I was creative. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I get to frame something through my eyes, through the lens, and I actually look at the photos afterwards and I show it to people or, or show it to the couples, and they, they all have like, oh my gosh, you just captured that moment. It just makes me feel so oh, fulfilled yeah. inside. And that, that's what kind of, um, uh, grew within itself. It's like, uh, like, I, I love the shooting aspect. I love connecting with my clients. And then when I show them the end result of it and they're so happy, it makes me feel so fulfilled to mm-hmm. want to do it some more. So that's what kept me going for that many years was like, I knew that was what I wanted to do. Um, the moment I, I I did it with my my mentor, yeah I, I did I did obviously, yeah, as I said, like get a lot of backlash mm-hmm. from my from my parents and a lot of people like in accounting as well, like all my all my friends are pretty much accountants <laughs> at that time, and they're all wondering, like, what are you doing? like why <laughs> like it, this is crazy, this sounds so crazy, right, but to me it, it 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 was just a natural thing. I don't know, like as I said, maybe I was just naive. Like it, it was just, it just felt so natural to make that shift in my career. And I always knew that if I didn't succeed in in, in photography, I can always go back to accounting because I still mm-hmm. had my accounting designation. So I always had that fallback plan. Um, but yeah, the moment I, I, I started my photography business, I knew I didn't have to go back. So beautiful.
0: And you have no fears at that moment mm-hmm. of time?
1: No, no, I was still living at home. Mm-hmm. yeah I was I had money in my bank account I still living at home didn't I didn't have anything to lose really I
0: love that so six years in and do you still love it and what made you pivot Mm. again
1: oh I still love it the reason why I had to stop it was because um well I started building my own family and uh the the last my final year of photography I was pregnant with my daughter and uh I was eight months pregnant, and I was still shooting a sixteen hour wow. wedding and it was it 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 was crazy for my body and Then after I delivered my daughter um, within a month i I went back to shooting again mm. because I had bookings i I actually had to cancel a month of bookings to oh. have my baby <laughs> and then and then I didn't want to keep canceling them, so I, I I had to come back right away to um to shoot. So I realized that. The moment I stop working, my business stops, mm-hmm. and I didn't want a business like that. I wanted a business that was sustainable, where um, it will still operate, even if I decide to have another kid or mm-hmm. or do something else. I, I wanted sustainability, um, and so that's when I decided to pivot to a so, second so business. So tell us how yeah.
0: does the idea of a second business come about, and how do you go about that? <laughs>
1: Yeah, Pulp, Pulp Function was my second business. Um, it really was kind of by fluke again. <laughs> um, from my wedding business, a lot of clients actually approached me to design their wedding invitations um, because they wanted to use their photo and then make it into an invitation. So I started immersing myself in design work. So graphics design, Photoshop, and illustration, um, Illustrator, and I just fell so much in love with typography and stationery. And so my next business for Pulp Function, I decided, oh, maybe because I love stationery so much. I love design so much. Maybe I can start an online retail store that sells other people's Mm -hmm. stationery. So greeting cards and um, just stuff. And I love paper. So pulp. So anything that had to do with paper or wood, I loved. So that was kind of the beginnings of Pulp Function. But Pulp Function eventually, long story short, became um, a business about making these uh, handcrafted marquee lights for kids' rooms. So because I loved typography so much, I started um, playing with the different font styles. And then um, I started creating initials. So for weddings, at that time, it was really um, popular where, I don't know if you've seen it, um, where they make these big alphabet Mm -hmm. signs that light up. so beautiful and then it would be like the initials of the of the bride and groom um so we started making these big light up letters for to rent out to weddings and then i also made miniature sized ones for kids rooms and uh that became very popular so then that became what pulp function was focused on was marquee lights for homes and families and kids um yeah, so that was that was what, what my the second business.
0: From a photographer to complete something different, when um, that was the first time you fell in love with something, was that easy or difficult?
1: Yeah, it was a really different type of business. It was a huge learning curve because all of a sudden I'm going from a service-based business, which had no inventory. We didn't. I didn't have to make anything. It was just I had to show up with my camera, and that was it. And I shifted to a Actual manufacturing company, so we actually made these these marquee lights out of my basement, and um, it was a it was a complete shift. It was a huge learning curve. We did we did trade shows. We put we went to Christmas markets. Um, so it was everything that I didn't have to do for photography. Mm-hmm. I started doing, um, but it was a lot of fun. I enjoyed all of it, and it was all new. I made a lot of mistakes. Like I lost so much money uh, because of these mistakes. But it, it it was it was so fun. it was so fun. what was what was yeah. fun
0: about and what was the biggest mistake you made?
1: Oh it was fun because I got to sell something mm-hmm. that I created and when when you set up a booth at a trade show and there's mil- thousands of thousands of people who go through these shows and you actually your booth actually stops people in their track and they do a double take. And they turn back and go into your booth and look at your products. That to me is like wow. Like I I can't believe mm-hmm. I created this and it actually attracts people's attention. Um, so that's what made it so exciting was to create something from scratch that people will mm-hmm. actually bring home and mm-hmm. and put it in their kids' room. Um, I made so many mistakes, though. Like one of the biggest retail clients that we picked up initially was a was a uh, baby store, a, a baby chain that is is well-known mm-hmm. in the U.S. And uh, we, they they put in their order, and that was our biggest order that we've ever received. And we shipped out inventory to them. We spent so much time making it, we shipped it out to them. And then uh, they never paid us, and they ended up going bankrupt. So we lost oh, so man. much money there. And in hindsight, I was like, it's so stupid of me to not collect money up front before we ship out the inventory. But at the time, I was like, oh, well, of course they're going to pay us. They're mm-hmm. so big. So I never thought about it, right? It's stuff like that. And then another big mistake that cost us a lot of money was um, we did a, a trade show in New York. And it it was a very expensive show, but uh, I never attended the show before doing the show. So I, I didn't know mm-hmm. how it was laid out. So um, I basically, I, I put a lot of trust in the person that I was corresponding with to pick us the best location. And at the time I didn't know that the location of your booth is like so important. And we ended up with a location that didn't work for us for our, for the audience that we were after. We didn't get the traffic Mm -hmm. that we wanted and it was a total um, it was a great experience, but we didn't get the bookings or the orders that we wanted. And so I lost Mm -hmm. a lot of money there. So all of that was just such a big learning Mm -hmm. thing for me. And I, I just learned so much from, from that business um, but that's also why, partially why it doesn't exist today is because we lost so much oh, money from was it. it. Was it hard though?
0: You no, know, sounds yeah. like you said when you first time sat at the booth, when people stopped by, you felt just so happy that really people really enjoy and love the thing that you created. Was it hard to walk away from mm-hmm. that business?
1: It was, it was. Um, it, I on, I actually only shut down this the website a wow. few months ago. I, I didn't want to and I just kept it on there for so long, even though we were no longer mm-hmm. making anything because I was so attached to it. Cause I loved like I developed everything from scratch, the whole the branding. I loved mm-hmm. my own branding. Um I loved the name. Everybody kind of <laughs>, laughs at it every time they they hear it. Um I just yeah I loved everything about that business. But the other reason why we had to shut down that business was because we actually moved. From Toronto to Vancouver to be closer mm-hmm. to my husband's family, and we used to make our marquees out of my basement. But because of the move, we we moved out of our house into an apartment mm-hmm. here in Vancouver, so we don't have the space to make it anymore. So it was also it didn't it, it wasn't something that we could mm-hmm. continue physically, anyways. Um, so that's kind of why what contributed to the decision to wow. to shut it down as well. And, yeah.
0: and then mm-hmm. how does the therapist come about?
1: <laughs> so while I was uh, pregnant with my son, um, I, I knew Pulp Function. I, I, I was still in the midst of Pulp Function, but I was doing shows and stuff while I was still pregnant. And it was getting hard. And I was thinking why do we always do this to ourselves? Like, why? Like, because we, we were making, whenever we did a show and we got the orders, we would be up until midnight making them in the basement every night, me and my husband. And my husband has a full-time job as well. So he 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 was really not getting any wow. sleep at that time. But because we had all these orders come in and we didn't want to delay them, then we just, we just worked really hard. And this would last for like months and months and months. And we would get like maybe a one month break and then it would hit us again. And then we would we would be at it again. And so I felt, you know what, maybe we need another business that's less intense and d- that doesn't require us making anything. Um, so I started thinking about what would that look like? And I started researching and then I heard about drop shipping and, uh, and then I stumbled upon um, this course, that taught how, how do you build a dropship store from scratch, <laughs> and and I just decided to sign up for the course and I I followed the course I did everything and then I came up with the idea of rugs by Rue from that, and so the the initial idea of rugs by Rue was purely just to make some money and and uh, to make our lives easier so we don't have to manufacture anything by hand so that we could just sell other people's products and and put it up there on an online store and just sell it. That was the initial uh, purpose of Rugs by Roo. But now, obviously, as you know, it's it's grown to so much more than just a money-making business. So tell business. us about that journey. Yeah. So
0: you started a business because you want extra cash flow, a little bit easier on the manufacturing mm-hmm. side. And how does that involve? And mm-hmm. what is your kind of like a mission? How how do you want to serve the world?
1: Mm-hmm. So yeah, so after I had my son and after we moved to Vancouver i I as I said shut down Paul functions so I started focusing more on rugs by rue and then I realized um that a lot of people actually had a demand for um they, they wanted all natural rugs that were washable and sustainably and ethically made but people just didn't have a way of accessing them or they didn't know mm-hmm. that it existed out there so I started researching more and more and I started bringing, I started pivoting my business instead of taking on any rug supplier. I started looking for brands that really focused on um, how they made it. So I, I really focused on brands that focused on quality, the craftsmanship, and also that had a mission behind it. And I found a few brands that were amazing. They were run by women and they, their mission was to empower women in India. So they would actually train these women on how to weave these rugs and they would build their own facilities and employ these women to make these rugs so that they could support their families. And then they also, on the side, they also put aside their profits to build these schools for the children of these women so that the whole family can be supported through that network. And when I heard those stories, I was like, this is amazing. And I want to be able to support these women. So I started bringing on more brands that were like that and, it just, it picked up and the customers here um, in North America, they, they love the, like I share all their stories and uh, they just love their stories. And they just started supporting all these brands that we started carrying. And um, from that network, we became, so, so there's a, there's an organization that's called Good Weave International, and they are an organization that's on the ground and they do undercover operations into these factories to look for factories that actually employ Mm -hmm. children. And they pull them out, they pull the children out and they rescue them and they put them Mm -hmm. in schools. And then this organization also works with factories and teaches them how do they make their workspace more safe for the adults? And how can they employ more women? And how can they pay them Mm -hmm. more fairly? So that if because obviously if the adults are paid more fairly, then they don't have to put mm-hmm. their kids to work. So it's a holistic approach to ending child labor. And so recently uh, this year, we officially became a partner of GoodWeave International because um, that's something that really touches me, and it's something that I really support. What um, does that mean to you, Sandy? Last year it means saving lives. It means, um, I have like, I have kids. And last year I watched, um, the film that's called uh, the price of free. And it, it talks about the whole child labor industry in, in the rug industry. And when I watched it, I watched it with my daughter. And at that time, my daughter was four years old and the children in the movie were around her age. And it just brought both of us, actually, we both got so emotional and it just brought us to tears because I can't imagine my daughter being put in a position like that mm-hmm. where she had to work and she had to be away from her family and she had to like make her own meals and she just slept on a cot on the floor by the, by the loom in such dirty conditions. It was, it was horrible. And so seeing that, I was like, I have the ability to, to fund the, what these people are doing to mm-hmm. save these children. I have the ability through my business to do that. So that's what I'm gonna do. So um, my whole business now is is about that mission. It's about creating awareness so that people will be more aware of who they're shopping from, what brands they're supporting, and and that knowing that they can make a difference by, by what they purchase. And Sunny, I love that, you know, mm-hmm. how
0: along the journey you able to pivot and today sounds like the business that you are in today are really you know, really, truly a heart center aligned with who you are, your personal mission. And and for our listeners who may be new to this concept, new to the rock industry, new to maybe child laborers, um, is there anything that you can share with us, Sandy, that for us to know how to shop uh, in a more responsi- responsible way and how can we support the beautiful mission that you are uh, behind today?
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. So as I mentioned, thank you for asking that question, by the way. Um, The Good Weave Weave International is the organization that um, works with factories that are approved. So that means that they only work with factories that um, guarantee that no child labor is involved from the very beginning of the making process to the very end throughout the entire supply chain. Um, because there's also a lot of children who are involved in, in um, harvesting the cotton in the farms. So it can happen anywhere along the supply chain. So GoodWeave International is the organization that makes sure that no, no child is involved in any part of that entire supply chain. So if as a consumer, if you are looking for a rug, look for a brand that is Good Weave approved. And that would mean that they have done their due diligence and that you are supporting a a brand that that also supports putting kids in school. Mm-hmm. So I would say look for that look for that uh, approval. It's
0: beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, wow, Sandy, that's a long journey to who you are today. I'm curious, um, where do you think you are going? Is, is this what success means to you?
1: <laughs> oh, I, I'm going to keep going. I don't think there's a finish line. Um, obviously, I, I want to continue to. Uh, put my actions towards ending child labor in India. Um, my next project, also a spin-off from my rugs business, is to start supporting the local community here in Vancouver as well. So uh, my next project is, is actually to work with a women's shelter mm-hmm. here in Vancouver and have, have them start making some hand-woven rugs here. Um, so I'll be partnering with a, an organization. It's, it's too too early to share the details right now, but I'll be partnering with various organizations here, um, to get that done. And, uh, yeah, there's, there's so much I want to do, um. And I'm, I'm always coming up with all these ideas and meeting great people. And then whenever I meet someone and connect mm-hmm. with someone, it's like, oh, I can do this with you too. So it's, uh, yeah, like there's no, I think there's no limit. I, I, there's no real finish line for me. It's just, um, yeah, the, the whole process has been so organic for me. Like I, I didn't plan any of this. It just, it just happens. So I'm always just open to seeing what what's going to happen next I think it's so
0: beautiful that you know you are such an authentic and open-minded person I think and you also have such a beautiful heart beautiful mission and I think therefore you met um, incredible people along the way and you know have this uh, wonderful ideas um, born and bring it to life Um, I love all that Sandy I'm curious this is a long journey. Today, you finally step into your own superpower and truly do something that you're truly proud and align with who you are. I'm curious, um, mm-hmm. looking back, what is the hardest thing you have to do, Sandy, to come this far? What was the rock bottom that you maybe hit one time and you felt that mo- moment was so oh. hard, was so impossible, you felt you almost <laughs> want to give up, but then you push it through.
1: Yeah, there's so many of those moments. But the biggest one I would say is when I was running Pulp Function. And uh, as I said, I made some really stupid mistakes when I was running that business. And we lost so much money. And we were in the red. Like I had debt. And uh, I was so thankful that my husband still had his job and he was paying all the bills. But at one point, like It was my, like I said, like the deal was my husband would pay all the bills, but I would pay for my daughter's tuition. She was in preschool at the time. And it cost $600 a month. And I couldn't pay it. There were like a few months where I couldn't pay it and I have to ask my husband to pay for it. And that was like the worst feeling ever. It's called mom guilt. (laughs) I'm I'm sure a lot of moms out there know it. And I felt so guilty because I'm like, I'm, I know I'm trying to pursue a business um, and I want, to, I want to do what I want to do, but at the same time, I'm not supporting my family or I'm not contributing and it's, it's costing my family. And that was so hard. And and it was also hard because at that time, all my accounting friends by that time were like so successful because mm-hmm. it's been years. They've been in their career for so many years now and all of them are moving up to like VP roles and chief whatever roles. And I was like, like at the ground and worse mm-hmm. than that because I was in debt. So I just felt, um, I felt so lost at that time. I felt like really, like maybe I'm not cut out to be a business owner maybe I should just go back and find a job or um yeah it was a it was a big how do you
0: get yourself Um, out of that feelings
1: I knew I had to I I I knew I didn't want to go back to to having another job I just knew it like I couldn't bring myself to imagining myself in a job so I was like, you know what? I got us in this hole. I'm gonna get ourselves out of this hole. Like it's all it's all me. I knew it was all within me, um, and I'm the only one who can pull myself out of it. I could I could either <laughs> keep mulling on this, or I, I do something else. And and that's what sparked me to to look in. That's mm-hmm. what sparked me to do rugs by Rue. Was I, I knew I needed to start another business and get myself out of this um, and really because I learned so much from that mm-hmm. business I I really need to do it smarter the next time um even now like there's still doubts that comes into my mind cuz Rugs by root is a totally different business than pulp function and photography um so it's still I'm still learning so much um and even now there's always these doubts that come into my mind that's like okay like do you know what you're doing are you smart enough for this like mm-hmm. there's always mm-hmm. that but um like i'm sure you know mm-hmm. like it's all mindset right so it's it's about um eliminating that mind that that limiting belief and just breaking through and just keep keep going. Cause I know at the end of the day my ultimate goal is to is to save lives. <laughs> but ultimately, my my ultimate why is is to give my kids opportunities that I never had growing up. And so that is my driving force mm-hmm. to really Beautiful. keep me going.
0: And mm-hmm. I, I do wanna, you know. I do have to agree that I think we all are our biggest credit and those insecurities, those I am not good enough dialogue oftentimes always come to our mind regardless how you goes successful or just, you know, you're still on your journey. It doesn't matter who you are. We always have those voice. I guess one, my question is, Sandy, what advice, what suggestion you can share with someone maybe right now being through that trenches, maybe right now in that, you know, place and yeah. wanted to in really move forward
1: oh i would say stop looking around stop comparing yourself to other people around you and just focus on where you want to go like focus on okay like what's done has been done <laughs> like the mistake that i made it's been done mm-hmm. what did i learn from it and just focus on where do i what's my next step where, where do i want to go and stop comparing yourself to the people around you because there's no end to that right you're, you're going to make yourself feel so bad that mm-hmm. you're not where they are, um, but it doesn't matter. Everyone else, ha- everyone is on their own path. You're, you're maybe you're destined for something even bigger, but it's going to take you longer to get there because it's bigger. Um, Beautiful. So yeah,
0: you are so courageous. I think you are really um, in tune with who you are when you have the idea. When you have that um, that thought in your mind, you're able to choose you instead of all the noise all the voice around you whether it's other people's expectation Mm -hmm. or the comparison that we sometimes did to ourselves which is very difficult were you always Mm -hmm. this courageous are you always this brave where does that come from and how can people get that
1: (laughs) that's a really good question i never thought about it i don't know if i've always been this brave Um, I know, growing up, I've always toggled. Like, I know this uncle said this to me once: "You're you're kind of like a bunny in one moment, <laughs> and then a lion the next moment." So I don't know. Like, I have like mixed mixed personalities, I guess. But um, I, I guess from since starting my business, like like photography being my first business, um, I was able to grow it successfully over a period of five years or five to six years. So I knew I can. Do, I knew I can do it again. So it's, I guess it's that confidence. It's knowing that I can do it no matter what and believing that. And so I can just keep applying that to whatever it is I'm doing, whether it's my second business or third business or fourth business. Um, it's, it's finding that inner confidence. And it could be like, it could just be from like, even like when I was f- booking my first wedding, like I had no benchmark, no goals. And I like the first client and this is like the first stranger that actually booked me like they didn't, they weren't friends, they were actual strangers and they actually booked me and I celebrated (laughs) because I was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe a stranger just booked me from based on this this miniature portfolio Mm -hmm. portfolio that I had. So I think it's these little milestones that Mm -hmm. we have to remember and that's what feeds our confidence or that's at least for me, that's what fed my confidence and just over time that confidence just started building and that's kind of what what keeps me mm-hmm. going and, and it just keeps me charging through these these obstacles. Cause for sure mm-hmm. there's gonna be obstacles no matter what. Um, so it's just about finding finding that to so charge through.
0: Wow, Sandy, I, I just Thank love, you. you know, how along the journey, you just truly so in tune with who you are and pivot and never afraid of just start over. And, you know, despite how much you love the previous business. And I'm curious, you know, you always share with us, you know, some of the lessons you learned along the way. I'm curious if you mm-hmm. have a magic one, if you can change anything in the past, mm-hmm. would you change anything? Ah, <sighs>
1: <laughs> of course, I have to say no. <laughs> no, because even even doing accounting, I always think about that actually. that's a really good question. Um, would I do accounting again if i if I got to change it, and I would say I would still do it again because it did give me that foundation right like if i if you think about it if i didn't go if I didn't get my university designation or, or degree university degree, and I didn't get my accounting designation, then I would always wonder was i fit for school like could i have gotten a degree like i would always wonder and so i i wouldn't i wouldn't change a thing like even the mistakes that i made with pulp function as stupid as they were it's like well that was a that 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 was an expensive (laughs) lesson but but it's it's great because now i'm never going to do that again i'm going to be extra careful right so like everything I, I'm a strong believer, and I know this sounds very cliche. I'm I, I'm a strong believer that everything happens for a reason, and those mistakes happened to me because mm-hmm. I needed it. Like I needed that was like my biggest weakness, so I needed to learn that. That's and beautiful. so, yeah. And I'm
0: curious. You know, mm-hmm. I love the answer, by the way. Like you're right. Like you know, life never happened to us. Life always happened for us. So along the journey, along the mistake, along the trial and mm-hmm. error, would become who we are today. Right. And Sandy, that leads me to another question for mm, yeah. you is, you know, along this journey, this 10 plus years journey, who have you become today?
1: Who have I become? Ah. Huh. <laughs> if you
0: compare, you know, if you think about yourself, I have- you know, just a uh, fresh graduate from university with accounting degree versus you are today, like what has mm-hmm. shifted and, you know, who do you become along the journey? I'm just curious.
1: I feel like I have become less mm. about me <laughs> and more about what am I here to give Beautiful. to others so so because before it's like okay what what do I want to do pulp function i love stationery. i love design i want to do more design work i want that fulfillment from the customers so that i could feel like that mm-hmm. that sparks that joy inside of me so i know before it's like it was all about me and my fulfillment and my satisfaction that i got from my work but now it's with with the whole social mission for rugs by rue it's like like how can i how can i serve mm-hmm. others through my business like what is what is in it beautiful for others like why am i why am i building rugs by rue if it's not for me then what who is it for um that's i think that's what i've become um is is the lack beautiful. of me and more of like other other people no, i guess i don't know if that yeah that's beautiful the i
0: love that you can really kind of shift that mindset from me, myself, to really focus on contribution and have such a bigger why that's beyond who you are. And I think, you know, Tony often say when if we only focus on ourselves, you you can never find the answer. But if you shift your mindset to others, how can we give others? How can we support? How can Mm we make this world a better place by helping others? Then your why becomes so much bigger and Mm -hmm. you have so much more um, power and all the incredible things going and help you pushing forward um, well sandy i just think this is such a beautiful journey you share with us you obviously are just so such a beautiful soul you are creative you are brave you are just so strong pivoting reinvent yourself over and over and over again and never look back i love that and most importantly, I love what your journey is. You have such a beautiful why. You want to end the child labors in this entire universe within your lifetime, which is such a beautiful, ambitious goal. And I'm just so honored to, you know, hear, share your story, share your journey. Um, is there anything else you want to share with us that you feel like I have not asked you today that's important for the audience to know?
1: Um, I guess, yeah everyone has a purpose, I think. And if there's anything, one of my goals for at least for the people that I care about around me, one of my biggest goals is to influence them in a way that they can find their own purpose as well. Um, Because it's, as you said, you said it so beautifully, like, like, what's in it for other people, right? It's not just about Mm -hmm. Us, but it's about how we can serve others, and I think a lot of us get so focused on the day to day. We're so ingrained in our jobs and what we do, and our kids and our family that we kind of lose sight of what the ultimate purpose is. And so, if there's anything, I would love for others to to really um, immerse themselves in in podcasts like this one, where they can get inspired and really reach beyond themselves and think and think. Okay, what else can I do beyond my day to day? job or my family what else can i do to extend myself to serve others um that's my biggest wish is for others to start shifting their mindset to start thinking about those things outside of just themselves um yeah other than that thank you so much for for having me it's been so such an honor to be talking to you and for for the ability to uh, share my of story
0: and thank you so much sandy you are such a beautiful soul and Honors all oh my. I really, really appreciate you.
1: <laughs> Alright guys,
0: that is the show for today. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. And I cannot wait to see you guys next time.